the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christ is risen. Blessed season uh, to all of you. Uh, as we celebrate uh, the resurrection of our Lord, and as today is one of uh, the church feasts, um, Thomas Sunday is one of the minor feasts that the church celebrates. Um, to emphasize on the uh, reality of the resurrection of the Lord and to confirm it uh, by the apparition of the Lord uh, to the disciples and Thomas among them. Uh, I want to take us back a little bit uh, before uh, resurrection. Um, when the Lord was placed in the tomb, the gospel accounts tell us very specific information about his burial. Uh, the gospel account tell us that Luke tells us that his tomb was carved in the rocks. And that tells us that the tomb had no other doors. Right? It was only what they carved. And the gospel accounts also tells us that they put a big stone or a rock to completely close it. And the gospel accounts tells us that the women, some of the women, witnessed and they saw him being buried, being put in the tomb, and, this, and the stone is rolled over the tomb. The Gospel account also continues to say, if you do not believe the witness of the two women or the women that have seen him, also St. John tells us that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, both of them very prominent men of the Jewish community, both of them have seen him being placed in the tomb. And again, the stone is rolled over. The Gospel accounts also tells us that the Jews, in fear of him resurrecting, as he prophesied, they asked for soldiers to protect um, the tomb. And so they brought their own soldiers to guard the tomb. All the four Gospels emphasized to us and wanted to assure us that the Lord is dead, that the Lord is placed into the tomb, and that there are many witnesses, and the fact that he is dead is confirmed. So that way everyone who might have a doubt, not to have doubt in regards to his death. And so the gospel also tells us beyond the doubt that he is risen. And the gospel accounts confirm his resurrection by many witnesses, by the apostles, by the disciples on the first day of his resurrection, by the two disciples of Emmaus, by his apparition today also to Thomas and the other disciples and after that many, many 
others. As much as the gospel emphasized on his death and emphasized on his burial and emphasized on him completely dead, locked in the tomb, guarded, as much as the gospel tells us that he is risen. Um, after spending a year speaking of sickness and death, I think this feast comes to give us hope in life and hope in the resurrection. I think the timing, we're very grateful. Thank God that we're here gathered in church. Uh, but again, the gospel, uh, but the feast comes in in the season to tells us to tell us that there is life and there is resurrection, that the Lord overcame death. Um, I'm sure we all as a church and as even a county or as a city or whatever you want to see a community of us, I've heard enough about death in the last year that we got very exhausted from hearing about death and hearing about negative news. And so the feast comes to tell us, rejoice, the Lord overcame death and overcame Satan. Today, I don't know if you paid attention to the book of Acts. The readings came from Acts chapter 17. If I want to ask you anything today, maybe I have actually a few requests that I'm going to make. But one of them is that I wish that you go home today and read what was read today from the book of Acts. Uh, today, Acts was read from chapter 17, from 19 to 30, I think. It's an incredibly profound and important chapter. If you think of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost to be important, if you think of St. Stephen's uh, sermon before his uh, martyrdom is important, you have to think and consider what Paul had spoke about today in Athens as important if not more important. I say that with caution, but anyway. So, but it is very, very important. I really wish that you go back and, and read this chapter. It's, it's so important uh, to our faith. And those of you who are interested in and like, you know, theology and looking into, you know, the Bible carefully, you, you will find so much into this uh, part of the scriptures. Why I'm bringing this up? Because it's actually very related to today's feast. Uh, Paul spends a little bit of time in Athens, and Athens is a place of philosophy. During that time in the world, Athens is the place to study philosophy, to argue, to debate, to think, to learn. Athens is the place. And then as he uh, passes by, and as, as he walks in Athens, comes across philosophers from two groups. I don't know if you uh, uh, listen to what the names were, but he says there's a group called Epicureans, and then there's another group called Stoics. So now we cannot really think that the Bible just put these two names or these two groups of philosophy for random reason, right? So there is a reason why 
Epicureans were mentioned and why the Stoics were mentioned. So what we know about the Epicureans is the following. We know that they are notoriously against religion and notoriously skeptic. Right? What's a skepticism? What, what do you know about skepticism? You doubt, you question, right? You doubt and you question. You are skeptic, you don't trust, you, you doubt, you question. And then the Stoic on the other side, they're pious people, they just don't know God. They want to accept religion. They're seeking some form of religion. But they don't know the true God. And hence, you see the altars of the, the unknown gods. Very good. Excellent. You all listen carefully. Good. And, and so it comes today's gospel, uh, today's uh, reading from the book of Acts, to, to say that Paul went preaching Jesus and the resurrection to the people in Athens, to those who are against religion, to those who are skeptics, to those who are want to live a pious life, but they, they don't know God. You see all the mix happening in Athens. People that are skeptic, they are in Athens. They re reject religion, they're in Athens. They want to live a, they live a pious life, but they don't know the true God. They are in Athens. I don't know if this connects to anything in your mind to how and what and where we live right now. I think if you think about these groups, you find them very, very much clearly uh, obvious to us in our society now. And what did Paul teach? He talked to them about Jesus and the resurrection. What did he ask them to do? He asked them to repent. He says, I'm coming to tell you about the God that you're seeking, the God, the unknown God. So now you find within the book of Acts and the reading today, all the mix of every mindset almost, those who are religious and those who are not religious, those who are philosophers and those who are not philosophers, those who accept religion, those who don't accept religion, those who are willing to listen and to discuss and to kind of, and those who are completely against it. And so the chapter ended by there is division among the people. Some accepted what Paul preached, others completely rejected what Paul preached. What does this have anything to do with Thomas Sunday? Is that question, what do we know about Thomas? He what? He doubted. Right? Is doubt some form of skepticism? Right? And so the gospel is telling us, and even the apostles from the book of Acts, that the resurrection comes to answer all our questions. What are you looking for? You're looking for a true God. You found one. You don't need to seek for another God who is unknown. But again, I go back and ask you, please go back and read the book of Acts 19 to 30. You'll be amazed. So if society is looking for the unknown God, Paul went to say, oh, we have him. He's the creator of all things. He doesn't dwell in, in, in things made by men. He only dwells in men. We're all his children. He gives him the perfect answer. 
And what are you, what are you doubting? What do you want? You want to live a pious life, but you don't know God? We have an answer to you. You're questioning life and the purpose of life and the afterlife. We have the true God who overcame death and is risen. And so, and so the gospel today comes and tells us that Thomas did not believe the disciples for eight continuous days. The disciples kept telling Thomas, according to the contemplations of the church fathers, he came, we've seen him. He says, nope. I want to see him and I also want to do what? Touch him. Very good. Those who are in the reading group, when we speak of seeing but not touching, or seeing and touching, what are we referring to? Which heresy that said we can see but he's not touchable? Docetism, right? You should know that. So there was a heresy early on in the church that says we can see him, but he's only seen. He cannot be touched. And so Thomas came and asked, and he says, I want to see and I want to touch. And St. John reported this. He says, don't ever think that when he is risen, he's only seen and he's not touched. He is touched. He is touched by the disciples. He is touched by Thomas. And we have the answers. If we think, if we think Thomas is doubting and Thomas is weak, says, so what? We're still gonna record it. We're still going to record it. It doesn't matter to us if Thomas is weak. The gospel is not about Thomas, but the gospel is about the risen Lord. And so we emphasize and speak about the risen Lord to give us the assurance of what we believe in. It says it doesn't matter if Thomas is doubting. Thomas doubted, it's true. Thomas doubted. And, and so the gospel authors says, it doesn't matter if it's, it's not about Thomas, it's about the risen Lord. Um, I know I'm taking too much time, I'm ending, I promise you soon. Um, and so the Lord comes again for the one person, to seek him again, the one person. The Lord could have said, you know, Judas left. Okay, fine. Thomas did not, was not here. Sure, let's move on. We still got 10. We can work with the 10. But he didn't. What did he do? That will appear again for Thomas. He calls him and he says, come. What are your spiritual needs, Thomas? I will give you the answer to your spiritual needs. Just come. And so the Lord didn't know when Thomas's needs, he shows up to Thomas to answer his needs. Um, and then St. John tells us that the Lord had done many, many other miracles, but these were written so that you believe the purpose of the whole gospel of John is written in that one verse. The, the verse that ends in chapter 20 is the purpose of the gospel of John. Every time you read the Gospel of John, you start. if you start with chapter 20, the last verse in chapter 20, you know what he wrote for. He says, this is, these things were written so that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And if you believe in this, then you have life eternal. 
And this is exactly what St. Paul told us in Romans. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in, in your heart that God raised him, you're saved. The gospel is not hard. The gospel is simply about those facts, but you need to believe in this. And so what does that mean to me today? So is resurrection 2,000 years ago, of course, physically happened then. But the church is not about history. The church is happening now. The Lord is in our midst. The risen Lord is in our midst. And so, and so what does that mean to us? It means that the same power, that's what St. Paul tells us from Ephesus, he says that the same power that worked in Christ to raise him up, this very exceeding great power that worked in him, is working in us. It does what? It says it grants you the new man. So how does this look like, this new man? He says he's created on the image of him who created him. He says what else? He says he's created um, uh, in righteousness. If I want you to think about anything in the next 42 days, I guess, which is the Holy 50, the rest of the Holy 50, I want you to think about the new man. If resurrection means anything to us Orthodox Christians, is about bringing this power of the risen Lord to our lives, to change and alter our minds, to change and alter our hearts, to change and alter our lives. We need to live our daily life based on and looking like the creation of a new person. You're not the same anymore. Or at least you shouldn't be the same anymore. You take the power of resurrection to work in you, to create you again. And glory be to God forever.